Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to jump in and let you know about my brand new free online masterclass coming up in June. The Anxiety Reset is going to show you how to stop anxiety and reclaim your life. We're going to look at everything that you are doing that is creating more stuck anxiety, why the coping mechanisms that you've been using are not working, and I'm going to give you a four-step approach that's going to help you to regain control of your life. So if you're tired of anxiety interrupting your decisions, dictating what you do, then this is the class to join. And best of all, it's absolutely free. The link is in the show notes. Welcome back to the Ease Anxiety Podcast. In this episode, I have the absolute privilege of speaking to the lovely Dr. Heather Brown, a psychotherapist whose mission it is to help couples communicate and connect. She has such a beautiful message. She's just recently written a book that you all must read. But in this episode, we're talking about how to communicate about our anxiety with our partner and also how our partner can best support us. So while this is an excellent episode for anyone struggling with anxiety and wanting to know more about how to communicate about it, it's also an excellent episode to share with your partners or loved ones because it has some brilliant insights on how they can best support you. So let's not wait another moment and let's dive in. Have you ever wondered why anxiety just won't budge? Like what is it doing here anyway? Welcome to the Ease Anxiety Podcast. I'm Deanta Fuchs, a psychologist turned international anxiety coach, and I'm on a mission to share a new perspective on anxiety that puts you firmly back in control of your life so that anxiety no longer interrupts you. So grab your cuppa, get comfy, and listen in as we demystify, destigmatize, and deconstruct what you think you know about anxiety so that you can finally do what you have struggled with for so long. Ease anxiety for good. Hi, Heather. I'm so happy for you to be on my podcast. So thank you for your time and meeting with me today. Can you share a little bit about you, where you are, what you do for a living so that our listeners can get to know you a little? Absolutely. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting your dear host uh, in uh, a training program for bringing a book out into the world. And so we've known each other for quite a while. And I just, as you guys all have, fell in love with her, with her energy, with her viewpoint and her personality. Um, I'm a psychotherapist and I specialize in relationship connection, communication, walking through life with joy and love and intimacy. And anxiety is a big part of that. And so when I met Dee, I thought, oh, wow, we've got a really interesting way to support each other because she's this massive wealth of anxiety. And I'm pretty good when it comes to relationship and communication. So I thought it would be just a really, really fun and exciting thing to do. My book is is uh, Speaking with the Heart. And so it's on couples communication. And i um, excited to walk this journey with you guys today. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I did love meeting you, Heather. You have just got such a beautiful energy about you. And I do love the take that you have on relationships and communication and most of all connection. So this is one of the things that I guess I find in my work with clients across the board with all mental health difficulties. But I will say in particular with anxiety, 
is the kind of lack of connection that people feel so isolated and so alone, which then just perpetuates the space that they're in. But we know that, I guess, mental health in general and anxiety in particular, because that's what this podcast is about, affects relationships in so many different ways. So it's great to have an expert here to come and talk to us about what that looks like. I'm kind of wondering, what have you noticed in your work with people, how anxiety impacts a relationship? Can you talk a little around that? Sure. Well, I think we don't oftentimes think about it. And it's it's actually very important to be something to talk about, whether it's showing up largely or small. How do you take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed? What do you need when you're hurting? What happens when you get bad news? Where do you have a hard time standing up for yourself? How can I best support you? These are important questions, whether we're in an anxious situation Mm. or whether we're just in life. And then if you have the layer of anxiety, which we all feel at different times, what is it that you want from me when you're in that place? What I find is when it becomes problematic, at least with my work with couples, it tends to be either because the person who is, is... trying to walk through the anxiety has really no connection with their partner about it. And they're just supposed to take care of themselves. There can be a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, uh, a lot of depression that goes along with that. Yeah. Or sometimes problematically, the person is kind of expecting their partner to be the one to talk them through, to get them out. So it seems like we don't really connect with our partner sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're struggling with anxiety, either to get support or we're kind of giving it to them to be responsible for us. And I don't find that either are really the best way. I think finding that place where we can meet together is is always the key, regardless of what we're going through. And anxiety is the place that that can be it can be a little mucky. Yeah. So so one of the things that I think most clients say to me when they're struggling in a relationship and feeling really isolated is that they don't know how to express what they're experiencing to their partner or they feel like what they're going through is so not understood by them that they have got to keep it to themselves. So do you have any ideas or tips on how they might communicate that in a better way? Sure. And I think sometimes it's not with words. Because I think the challenge is when we're feeling anxious, we try to tell the people around us what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And you guys know, what do you give back? Don't be nervous. You don't need to be nervous. This is silly. It's belittled. It's played down because the person doesn't feel it or they're uncomfortable with us feeling it. And where I find your partner can help tremendously is physically matching breath work. Help me do a boxed breath Mm. or grounding. Grounding is wonderful when you're anxious. Have your partner hold your feet, press, press their hands on your feet and press your feet into the ground and ground you. Having you hold onto your, to your heart and then also onto your belly. Or what's beautiful is have your partner do it. Having your partner hold your chest and then holding you from the back while you breathe, while you center. If you can turn your relationship into you do your own work, which is so important in anxiety to have that truth, but also to have that ability. And if your partner can be a little bit of the anchoring, a little bit of the holding and embracing, 
The reason we, we struggle with anxiety, for my opinion, is that we didn't have para other than the healthy aspect of we all need to, to experience yeah. anxiety, but we're deregulated because we had parents who were deregulated. And so they didn't show us how to care for ourselves in that situation. So if you have a partner who's willing and they will simply hold you as you breathe, just if you put your hand on your chest right now and on your back, you're going to mm. feel it. It yeah. feels soothing and warm or your belly and your chest. If you're alone, holding your feet and letting you get back into your body connected to the earth is incredibly important. So I kind of urge talking less and connecting physically more. The body will hold in that energetic longer than the mind because the mind's really quick. You know this. It's really quick to race and spin and change. The body can hold it longer. So if you're doing your breath work, if you're doing your grounding work, if you're doing your centering and your slowing work, to me, you're going to come through it much better. Plus, it's a beautiful thing to have your partner help you help yourself. It's really lovely. Yeah. I love what you're saying about the fact that we're coming from backgrounds where we were never shown how to regulate ourselves, or at least parents weren't able to help us. This is one of the biggest things that I talk about in my own book and also everywhere else that I am on TikTok and Instagram, but really around the fact that it's these big feelings that we as a society are not okay with, right? Like we've been taught that if you're too happy, then you need to tone it down. And if you're too loud, you've got to be more quiet. And if you're too quiet, then you need to talk more. And if you're too sad, take this tablet. And if you don't sleep enough, then you should sleep more. And if you sleep too much, then you need to sleep less. So we're kind of trying to bring people into this very narrow band of experience that we think is normal. And I put that in inverted commas. But what has happened is that even as parents, we have our kids have these big feelings and then we don't know what to do with it because we ourselves haven't necessarily been taught how to be with our own big feelings because of the societal kind of experience, right? And so then our kids come in with these big feelings and then we tell them to rein it in, put your big girl panties on, don't be silly, stop crying about that. Instead of sitting with and regulating and showing them how to do that. So now we have these adults in a wide variety of different spaces and experiences, not only anxiety, but have big feelings. And then those feelings feel scary. And this is where I guess anxiety gets a bit stuck, right? Is that you have this big experience and then you're afraid of that experience. And then you have more anxiety about the anxiety that you're experiencing, which gets us stuck into that vicious cycle. So to have a partner that can help us regulate self and sit with the big feelings rather than necessarily having to I mean, I guess, what is it that people expect of their partners? I know earlier you were saying that sometimes we're wanting them to do something for us that isn't fair or it causes trouble in the relationship. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Sure. I've had clients um, and people come to me because they're struggling in their relationship. So I have to own that. That's a different you know, yeah. situation than might be someone else. Yeah. But they come because they say, like, I need you to help me. Yeah. and On one level, sure, it's your partner, but when you're not going to be okay without your partner coming through in the way that you're demanding they come through, I think you're in a difficult place because that means you can't really take care of yourself. This would help me. This would support me. Mm -hmm. There's an option there. 
But when we're making our partner responsible, you've, you've got to calm me down. You've got to change this dynamic for me. You can't go to that party because I need you to stay here. When it turns into a manipulation control, the, those are the couples that show up at my office. For sure. And we talk about that quite a bit. There's also the place of recognizing that a feeling is fleeting and it could be huge, but it's fleeting like a fear can be fleeting. And if we bring in mindfulness, oh, I'm aware of a really big feeling right now. Who? Why is this showing up or what is this about? If we go to the idea of it's a visitor coming to spend a little bit of time, what is it that there is for us to know? Oh, hello there, panic. I see you once again. You're coming up right now. What is it that you have to show me? Yeah. Then it comes as a message. It comes as a way to show you something. It's not something to necessarily run away from. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we don't like it. I don't ever say, oh, I love you. I love you, panic. Thanks for showing up. No. <laughs> But, but when it does, it's important for me to remember, okay, you're showing up for some particular reason. And once I figure that out, or once I can free that or change that, you'll go. Yeah. I am not always in panic, just like I'm not always in depression. I'm not always in joy. And so I try to help clients loosen that grip a little bit by saying, okay, so this is a feeling. It's like a little bird, tweet, 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 tweet. You know, sometimes it sounds a little nastier, you know, cheat, 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 cheat. What is the vibration that you're receiving and what is it that you can do with this? But when we don't label ourselves, then we've got more movement. And I think that's important with it. Feelings, thoughts, experiences, they're all little aspects of our day and our life. How can we help ourselves the best or how can we ask our partner to help us the best in that yeah. dynamic. Yeah. And, and so I guess a little bit of what you're saying is asking our partners or rather sharing with them how we would best be supported to have that experience of panic and allow it to pass and regulate through it rather than asking them to take it away from us or other expectations that we're having of them. Yeah. Well, it's really important. You let yourself be your guide. Yeah. The anxiety is coming up to tell you, like, I need some help with you guiding me through this right now. And partners, bless their beautiful hearts, want to rush you out of it really quickly. They don't want you to stay in it because they know you're uncomfortable and they, they're uncomfortable with you being uncomfortable. And it's also hard for a partner to say, like, I'm clueless. I don't know what to do. But so oftentimes, if someone would just sit with us, that's why therapies can be so beneficial. Sometimes they simply just sit with the person and their experience and let it go through. It does end just like the breath. I can only hold my breath so long yeah. and then I need to release and then I need to take in more. And when we remember that, there is an, there is an arc and an end to whatever we feel. It may come up again, but it's important to remember it's, it's not a constant. And just like if you're struggling with wanting to do something, if you wait 15 minutes, 
you're not going to want to do it as much anymore, maybe eat a cookie or what have you. And so there's the place of letting the naturalness of the breath, letting the naturalness of the wave of what's going on with the anxiety or the panic come through. Sometimes they can just be there with you. Sometimes you don't want them to do anything. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Like, don't tell me to get out of this. Don't tell me I'm crazy. Don't tell me I don't need to feel this way. Just let me experience what I'm experiencing. I don't really need or want anything from you. What a beautiful thing to be able to say to yourself, I got this in anxiety. I got this. Yeah. I don't need anything from you. Give me a couple of minutes. I'm going to go walk in nature with bare feet. I'm going to go listen to the wind. I'm going to do my box breath. I'm going to do my big arm circles, whatever it might be that you're doing. I've got this and my body's right where it wants to be for whatever reason. Yeah. 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 So sometimes they can really be supportive. And sometimes the support you might want is for them just to let you find out what it is that your anxiety is talking to you about, what it is that, that it's wanting. I had this really amazing experience with um, uh, a, a young girl. She came to me after not being able to do her senior high school poetry recital. So they call the next day. She's very disappointed. I haven't worked with her before, but she's she's really mad at herself and really sad. And so she went to it, started to feel overwhelmed, started to panic, started to hyperventilate, went to the bathroom, called her mom, said, you know, I can't do it. You have to come pick me up. And I was listening to her story. I said, hmm, the anxiety was kind of trying to friend you. It was was kind of trying to listen to what you were saying. It was trying to help. And she said, what? And I said, well, what was going through your mind when you were thinking about getting up there and doing this poetry recital? And she said, you know, they have to love me. I better not screw up. I want to win. And I said, gosh, you're your body, your brain are brilliant. She's like, what do you mean? I said, it took you out. Your brain's saying, I can't promise you're not going to mess up. I I can't promise they're going to love you. I can't promise you're going to win. Like, we can't do this. Body, have anxiety. Let's save this so this poor girl doesn't suffer. And she said, well, what, what could I have said otherwise? And I said, I love this poem. I'm going to get up and I'm going to share it as best I can. And I hope Maybe some people will like it, but if not, I want to share this poem because it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh my gosh, that would have been so different. If we give ourselves time to listen to what's the message that's coming, there's brilliance in what our body and mind are trying to do. They're trying to protect us because they think we're in severe fight and flight, but sometimes we're not but it's the message that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be okay. I'll come through it. What's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, you guys know this because you've listened to D. The worst thing that can happen is you're dead. You're out. Okay. <laughs> you're probably not going to die today. So it's going to be a whole lot less severe than that. And there's always a, an answer to anything. Even when it's really bad news, there's a surgery, there's a treatment, there's a second job, there's a move, like there's always an answer. Yeah. So there's the place of, am I letting myself find, if I'm asking the right questions, and am I letting myself find the answer that my body needs? And when you start to like love your body for its brilliance and love your mind for its brilliance, then you can work that dance better. And you can see that little tricky 
you know, joker part of us, like, oh, 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 oh not going to give you that one. And you can redirect it to a thought that, you know, I hope this goes well. I do. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So powerful. This is, this is one of the biggest things that, that I teach as well is just to say, we need to listen to what that anxiety is asking us to pay attention to. And often the thing that it's asking you to pay attention to isn't something that serves you. So it's worth changing it. Like for example, with your client, this idea that we need to make sure everybody loves us. This is not a belief that serves us in any shape or form. So, you know, once we can start attending to some of the core beliefs or, or the the ideas that we're holding that don't serve us, then we can start to shift them and things become so much easier. That's the thing about anxiety. It's tense. It's tight. I'm not breathing. I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. And when you can like lessen that, like it's going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. The worst thing can happen. I might, I might pass out, but I'll, I'll keep breathing and I'll come back. And when I come back, I won't be as anxious. Then it's not as hard, not what we want, but not as hard. We make it so much harder for ourselves because we tell ourselves we shouldn't be feeling what our body is creating for us to feel. Absolutely. But then this gets exacerbated, right? When our partner is also believing that we shouldn't feel this thing because they want us to be better. Like it comes from a well-intentioned place. I know this firsthand when my husband struggled with his health anxiety, right? Like nine years ago, he was floored by his health anxiety. And so he went from being this super strong, was running his own company guy that, you know, independent, he didn't like need a woman to to let him cry and and fall apart to this person who was literally sobbing on the end of my bed one evening because he was so petrified of what was happening to him. And I wish you were around, Heather, because, you know, I needed these words back then because I wasn't the best supportive partner at the time. In the back of my head, I was like, what's happened to my husband? I don't want this. I want my guy back. Um, and that was well, really think about that. for me. Yeah. When we're panicking because our partner is panicking, Dear Lord, like we have created such a difficult dynamic. And then in a way, we need them to be better so we're better. Exactly. But they're the one who's struggling. So there's that place of you might not know what to do. And oftentimes in anxiety, we don't know what to do. So I would in a non-anxious time say, well, what are some things that really calm you and soothe you? I'm a mom. And so I learned really, really early on and really well, what were some of the things that helped my kids also help my husband in different emotional states? And these are all things that are in my book because I have a whole chapter on anxiety in my book. And it it talks about how you, you find these things out for yourself, but what's best for you when you're angry, what's best for you when you're scared, what's best for you when you're overwhelmed. If you can Help yourself know what some of these things are and then give yourself the ability to do them. Then in the moment, you start to help yourself. And if you can do that for your partner, if you can do that for your children, then when they're in that place, you can say, oh, I can see you're super agitated right now. Let's go run or, you know, let's go, yeah. let's go hit baseballs. You can guide to get them in the place where their body then starts to move that energy instead of it being botched up. Some people, as you guys know for yourself, need to free energy. Mm-hmm. Gotta get it out. Like saying count to 10 calmly is the worst thing for you. You need to get it out. Yeah. And then other people 
really need to quiet. So there's that place of knowing, are you somebody who needs to physically release to then come into a place of calm more so? Or are you someone who that's the wrong thing to do and the focus is just to quiet? But knowing these things with your partner is key because if you need to physically move or run or lift weights, I need to not say like, let me, let me stir you a bath. No, I need to go pound and do like, you know, five reps. So there's the place of, of finding out how can I support you in your different emotional states? What do you need when you're depressed? What do you want when you're lonely? What do you want when you're mad? We don't all want the same thing. My husband, when he was grieving, wanted to break things and kill things. Sounds about right. (laughs) I wanted to be held. Breaking and killing and holding don't work together. And so we knew that. And so when we were both grieving something, unfortunately for us, we had to do it differently for a couple of days and then come back when he didn't want to kill something and when I wasn't falling apart quite as much. And then we could grieve a little further on. Mm. Those are really important conversations for a relationship. Yeah. And I guess and in the dynamic of anxiety in a bigger circle, how do you want me to help support, leave you alone with friends, with family? It's really important that your partner knows what it is that you would like or not like of them in a in a group situation, especially family, because families will pull into, well, your partner's not very supportive of you, or your partner's not doing anything that's helpful, or why did they do that? You get that anyway. So if you can respond with, no, I asked them to just let me, or that is exactly what I have asked. It's it's helpful if your family and your friends can see your partner supporting you in your anxiety in the way that's best for you. Yeah. And it doesn't happen often where that's recognized. It's a beautiful, I think, gift to give to your partner to be able to say to others, yeah, he or she's wonderful when I'm overwhelmed or totally listens to what it is that, that I know I need. It's a beautiful, a beautiful gift to give the world with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, so I guess one of the bits here that are really important is being able to communicate that with our partners to be able to, well, at first you have to know yourself and know what it is that you need in those moments, but then to be able to communicate that. But what often happens is that, and you will know that when we've got sort of longstanding mental health things that are happening in the relationship that are putting strain on it. I'm using myself and my and my husband as an example, right? Like there was a time there where the pressure that I was putting on him to be better and the anxiety and panic that I was feeling about his anxiety and panic was just causing more of a mess. Our communication wasn't working. He was not feeling heard and understood by me. I wasn't hearing and understanding him. Let's face it. Let's be honest. But our communication and our connection was was really falling apart there. So, I mean, you're the communication expert and the connection expert. So do you have any ideas on how people can begin to reconnect in that space where it all feels like it's falling apart? Well, there's a little pre-moment, which is recognizing that. I don't even know how to listen to you right now. I don't know how to support you right now. I don't even know what you need. Like I'm reeling. Yeah. If that's your place, you got to go take care of you. 
And though we don't like to say it, sometimes we need to say to our partner, I'm sorry, I can't be here for you right now. I'm not doing okay. Who else can we get some support for you? Or, or, or what is it that you can do so that I'm not making this worse? It's unfortunate, but sometimes you know this, guys. We make it worse for our partner yeah. or we make it worse for ourselves. So if you're in that place, take a step back and actually give your both of you that opportunity to do it separately if you need to. And then once that has happened, you're not you know both at the peak, then I would say like, I, I just want you to know I'm here. Mm. That sometimes is enough. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what to do, but I'm here. Yeah. That's going to bring some calm and some peace right away. You're not being abandoned. It's not too much. Your partner believes it's going to be over. And if you can express those things, if your partner likes to receive, you know, calming affirmations, then I would say that. But start right there. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to be here with you. Mm. And what it is that I can offer, I hope you'll let me know. And when the moment has passed, then ask your partner, what was helpful? What was not? And then listen to what they say. I, um, because of just my childhood, um, I was abused. And um, I was molested, and we didn't have we didn't have comforting physicality in my childhood. So what I need when I feel overwhelmed is a hand on my knee, grounds me so quickly. So when my husband was alive, if we needed to have an important conversation, where we'd start the conversation, I'd say, you know, would you just put your hand on my knee? And he he would just laugh because to him it was like okay, but it grounded me. It to me it meant we're in this together. And his hand was on my knee so I could tell he wasn't angry, mad, frustrated. That was so good for me. And he would always ask me to say, like, I love you and I'm in this with you. Like, I can say that. So ask your partner, what am I doing that helps? Or what is anybody else doing that helps? And what am I doing that doesn't? We can feel like as the partner, we're responsible for figuring it out. We're not. The person who's going through what's going through needs to have the ability to take that time to find out what it is and to guide us in it. But ask. Ted knew, he knew, hand on knee. My kids know if we need to have an argument, they get a hug first. They know it. So much harder to argue after you've hugged someone. So much harder, so much harder to argue, you know, face to face like this. Yeah. I love you so much. I just want you to know I want to get through this. Oh, it's just harder. So what can you do to help yourself stay energetically as beneficial to yourself and your partner as you can? Yeah. Those are ongoing conversations. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, we're, we're speaking a lot about how the partner can support and help somebody who's struggling with anxiety, but there is also some of the communication that has to come from the person who's struggling, right? So, I mean, I, again, when it, with that experience that I had with my husband, for sure, I was not helping the situation and, and could have done things enormously different. And what we did realize is that the minute we were both like, okay, this is really crap and we're just going to be with what's crap right now, much like you were saying, just saying, I'm here, 
and like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix this, but I'm here. That message says, we accept that this is here and we're not going to fight this anymore. It is okay to not be okay. And we're going to work through this together. So we are connecting in the difficultness. And that little expression, I am here. I don't really know what to do, but I am with you. What you do energetically is you start to receive some of the anxiety. And even though psychologically we know that's not true, like I'm feeling all the anxiety that's within me, it's not yours. Yeah. But by you saying you're with me, now, okay, now I'm not alone. Yes. You might come up with something that's helpful. I don't have to be quite so scared because if you have somebody who's with you and there's someone who's in a loving state, that helps. So it already lessens it just a little bit. But but yes, as much as you possibly can ask yourself, what do I need? If you watch yourself, mm, it's hard to do it. But if you look back on the times where you have known you've struggled quite a bit and ask yourself, what did I do physically? What was going through my head mentally? Was there anything that I did that helped me? I noticed that when I was really anxious, I would pull my sweater over my knees, I'd wrap myself up into a ball, and I literally would rock. And I remember the day I realized that I went, oh my God, I've like gone back to the woo. <laughs> that was really important for me to know. My anxiety comes from a very, very young age. And anxiety has an age. And it's helpful when you can recognize what age are you in. If you're in baby anxiety, yeah, you're going to want to rock. You're going to want to hold. You're going to want to embrace. If you're in teenage anxiety, like you probably need to go like break something or shoot something or run really fast. There's different ages of our anxiety and, and that taps to mm, our growth as a human being a little bit what we're going through and when that was really prevalent. Safety and security, that's going to be very, very young. Listening to me, that's going to be older. So when you see that, you can very quickly help yourself in that. When I realized I was going back to the womb, oh my gosh, my life changed tremendously because I realized, wow, Heather, you, you like really need to let yourself go all the way back. And then, of course, I then started to work on inner child work because yeah. I realized, damn, like, I don't feel primarily safe right now in the world. Wow. I got to help myself here. Mm. So there's a lot of guidance in what it is that you want or need or feel. Can't really do it when you're in the middle of a panic attack or, or an anxiety attack. Yeah. But you can look back or at the end of it and notice, what am I doing? Look to what your posture is. You know, are you all wrapped up or are you rigid? You know, you, look to what your posture is and it'll guide you a little bit, which is, is great information. And then this is a gift. Then when you have found that, you can tell yourself, oh, wow. Okay. So like I've learned this now. So whenever I have anxiety next time, it's not going to be the same. Because I've just learned something that my body has told me. I've got more of my tool belt now. So it also kind of lessens that place where we go of, oh, dear God, don't let this ever come back. Yeah. And we can say, well, if you do, it's not going to be the same because I've learned something more now. Like what a gift that is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, do you know what I'm hearing most here is that we have got to do so much work for ourselves first, figuring out some of the stuff before we can take it to a partner and expect them to support us with this, right? Ideally, but you know, if we don't, we don't. Like we are where we are and our partner, if we have a partner is there in whatever way, but the more we can come to them with some clarity and some understanding, the, the smoother it's going to go, the quicker they're going to be able to respond. But I don't want to put that pressure upon our listeners that you have to be there. If you're not, you just know your partner will hug on you, just say hug on me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you'll figure it out in the way that you need to figure it out because our bodies, our minds, our spirits want to be healthy, w- want to feel secure and solid. Our body wants that. Our mind wants that. And so in these places where we have these disruptions, it's to help us find out what we could do differently or or how to respond to it differently. But yeah, ideally, if we've done a lot of our own work, we're going to be better for everybody and ourselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess maybe it's more a case of if we're wanting somebody to support us in a particular way, the best way to do that is to know how to be supported, what we need. I guess that's what I'm saying is that to know this the stuff about ourselves and our bodies and how we respond and what we're needing is the best place to come at asking for support. But to kind of say, I'm struggling and I need you to fix me and I don't know how, but you've got to figure that out as somebody else who doesn't even know what anxiety is like, that's a bit of a tall order in, in a, in a relationship and in a partnership and can, I guess, contribute to some communication breakdown. And these kind of conversations is, is is what I do all the time in my office. Like, how could your partner come through for you more so? How can you help them know that? And, and then staying in that place of recognizing they're trying too. They're trying. Oh. And that's a beautiful thing, whether it's helping or not. We can feel really fatalistic in anxiety. Well, that didn't work or forget that. That was pointless. This didn't fix it. And, and, and to, to try to lessen that for ourselves and for our partner is helpful. But you were here. Yeah, okay, so I was still totally anxious and it didn't really go down, but it d- didn't get worse. And you were here. And I'm grateful that you were willing to be here with me. Yeah. When we let ourselves be appreciative of our partner, of ourself, even of the message that the anxiety is trying to give us, then it becomes a conversation and it becomes part of us instead of feeling like it's this foreign intruder that takes over that's going to destroy us. It's just part of our story. But when you, when you give yourself the opportunity to let yourself be the author of it, then you've got more possibilities of what you're going to do. Oh, this isn't really working for me right now. How could I do this differently? I don't want to be showing up in this way. Let me let me try this from a different angle. There's that place of of giving yourself that that freedom. And since we're all individual people in this world and this is only our life, to me it's up to each of us to try to figure out how do I do this this walk, this life as best I can for myself and for those around me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your book and how that informs what you're talking about today. Because we're talking about, you know, you get this in your office and you're helping people communicate about what they need and how they can do things better for one another. How does your book help people do that? 
Well, just like you with anxiety, with what you went through with your husband and started to realize, oh my gosh, I, I don't really know how to do this. After working with people for so long in the office, I realized we don't know how to communicate, even though we do it all the time. And so I spent a lot of time really exploring what is good communication and, and what keeps it from happening. And what, what keeps it from happening largely is that we don't care about ourselves or the other, and we don't take the time to find a way to connect with ourselves or with the other. And when you learn that, when you give yourself that, then every conversation you have, it's so much easier to maneuver. I don't step into any important conversation without first asking, where is it that we're wanting to go? Are you open to me sharing my opinion? Am I open to listening to yours? Is this conversation going to bless our relationship? There's some really important questions to ask before we step into a conversation. And when you do that, you don't have to be as anxious. If I know you love me and you really want to resolve this issue, what I'll say to my clients all the time is your relationship is more important than this issue. Yeah. And they kind of go, So I say that before any important conversation. You are so important to me. I want to honor you in this conversation. This is kind of a tough topic. So let's go through it slowly and make certain we don't lose each other. Pacing is so, so vital. Pacing and everything is vital. So in my book, I, I talk through that. How do you come to an important conversation? How do you create safety for yourself and with your partner? Where are the places that you need to realize are triggers? We go through triggers quite a bit. What do you do with that? How do you cultivate love? How do you cultivate connection? Where are the places of fear and shadow that it's important for your partner to know to try to support you in your process of going through that? And then, of course, I cover, you know, sex and money and um, family and all of these other Anxiety, all other places. (laughs) Yeah, the biggies. I cover the biggies too. But it really is about how how do I honor myself in 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 being true with myself, and how do I honor you, and how do we come together differently? To me, that is what the body and the mind are telling us. We got to come together differently. We're in different places. We don't know each other's language. This one's doing this, and this one's going, they're doing different things. So how can we try as much as possible to utilize what's going on to come together to help each other? It's the same thing. Mm. Anxiety in the body and the mind are trying to communicate. And so it's when you learn what communication is about and how to help yourself be open more so to it, then you can receive it so much more freely. And I think with couples work, it's, it's beautiful. It's, beautiful. It's, it's hard. Like anxiety work, it's hard. But I think it's beautiful because it's a dance. Yeah. Yeah. I always say communication is a love letter. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Would you say that your book is also applicable to people who are not necessarily in a partnership, but maybe want to communicate with their friends or their family members better? It can be for anyone. There are absolute chapters, though, that are talking about 
you know, go do this with your partner. There's exercises for a partner. So if you're wanting to be in a relationship soon, or you want to kind of review what hasn't worked in relationships you've been in, I think it's great. If you're really wanting one that's more so designed to like your child, I I wouldn't choose my book. I would choose a book that's guided more toward that. It can help everyone but it's 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 written as a it's couple's book. I love what you're saying, though, that sometimes we're not in relationship, but we've been through relationships and it's it's worth looking at what went wrong there and how we could do this differently the next time. So so this is a valuable piece of information to have in that space as well. I'm a widow. And so I want to use all these exercises. I want to know these different things that I've learned and realized when I step into a relationship. Now, of course, it's going to take a little while to get the guy up to speed, but I want to know about attachment style. I want to know about love languages. I want to know my triggers. I want to know really healthy, good communication and where some of the pitfalls so that when I start that relationship, I've got this wealth of information. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So tell us more about how we're going to get our hands on your book. Well, if you go to my website, you will find it there. It's it's www.drheatherbrowne.com. Okay. And I will have links. Um, and if for some reason it you can't get through on the link, there's also going to be a pop-up where you can leave me your information and then I, then I can share it with you as soon, as soon as the link is cleared. It's all covered. But on my website, I have workshops. I have freebies. I have um, ways to, to work with me, my TEDx, Amazing. obviously my book as well. Um, and if people have listened to me, they might not want to work with me, but they have a question, you know, feel free to, to pop it out too. I'm more than happy to answer questions that people have and see if there's some way that I can bless people. Love yeah. it. So I will link your website to the show notes so that they can just easily click on that. Don't worry if you didn't catch the spelling, it is in the show notes. So everyone can connect with you there. It has been amazing. Thank you so much, Heather. Is there any parting information or wisdom that you would like to share with my listeners before we end today? Mm, as much as possible, really honor and bless yourself with where you are. Right now in this moment, it's a new moment to become whatever it is that you choose to be. And when we really let ourselves stay where we are right now, that's where all of our power is. That's where all, all our possibility is. And so be mindful of how much of the time are you here. Most of us, when we're anxious, are fearful of the future, or we're looking at what's happened in the past that hasn't worked. And so as much as possible, you say like, I'm here right now. I'm here right now. This is what's going on right now. And all this other stuff isn't. And help yourself take care of yourself in the present moment. I think that's always the most important. I cannot say it any better. So we'll just leave it at that. So that wraps up today's episode. And I have a huge favor to ask. If you found any value in what you heard today, please be sure to leave a review. I assure you it is not to stroke my ego, although it does help me to know that you love the show, but to help the algorithms get this episode into the hands of others who might need it. Make sure you follow the Ease Anxiety podcast so that you never miss a future episode. And lastly, I really love to connect. So find me on TikTok or Instagram and be sure to say hi. All the links are found below in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in.